Welcome to Brawny Conversations. I am Patrick Braun, your host. This podcast will provide our listeners with informative and entertaining discussions held with experienced people covering a wide range of topics. If you want to shorten your learning curve or just learn more about one of our topics, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy our discussion. Kevin Witt is a friend who I can say with all sincerity made an impact in the lives of my two sons. Kevin is a man who tells it like it is. His truth has been used to turn boys into baseball players and those who are willing to listen and do the work required have the opportunity to reach their full potential. That potential could be making their high school baseball team, which in a city like Houston, Texas, is quite an accomplishment. Here at a typical high school, you will have over 100 players trying out to make a roster with 20 to 25 players on the final team. It is a highly competitive environment. The sport of baseball has been central to Kevin's life, and he is now using the game of baseball to give back to others. He is now the baseball director at Spring Spirit in Houston, Texas. Spring Spirit exists to provide safe pathways for youth to realize life opportunities through wellness programs, education, and mentoring programs based on Christian principles. We'll be speaking more about this in our discussion. Let's review some of Kevin's baseball career highlights, and there are many of them. Kevin graduated in 1994 from Bishop Kenny High School in Jacksonville, Florida. Kevin hit 481 in his senior year while playing shortstop and was selected as a baseball All-America first team All-American. Kevin committed to play baseball for the University of Florida. The MLB had different plans for Kevin. He was drafted in round one of the 1994 MLB draft at overall pick number 28 by the Toronto Blue Jays as a shortstop. Kevin played professional baseball for 19 years, five years at the MLB level with Toronto, San Diego, Detroit, and Tampa Bay, first reaching the majors in 1998 with Toronto. He played 12 years in the minor leagues, eight years in AAA. Kevin played two years in Japan. During his career, Kevin was primarily a first baseman, designated hitter, and occasional outfielder. He also had two game appearances for 1.1 innings as a relief pitcher for the Portland Beavers. In his MLB career, Kevin played in 146 games, had 399 at-bats, had 93 hits with 15 home runs, a .233 batting average, .376 slugging percentage, and a .643 OPS. In 2006, while playing for the AAA Durham Bulls, Kevin played 128 games, hitting .291 with 36 home runs, a franchise record that still stands today. He won the International League MVP that year. Following his professional baseball career, Kevin has been a professional baseball hitting coach for the New Orleans Baby Cakes, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and Jupiter Hammerheads. Kevin has also established a career in growing youth baseball organizations, including Marucci Houston and Spring Spirit. Kevin also is actively involved with Houston's Kyle Chapman Select Baseball Program. Kevin is married to Lori, and they have five children, Preston, Tanner, Cullen, Ripken, and Skyler. All are incredible athletes in their own right. Lori played college softball and volleyball at the University of Texas. Preston plays at Southwestern University, where he's a senior. Tanner plays at the University of Texas, where he's a pitcher and is an MLB draft prospect. Skyler was an incredible multi-sport athlete in high school and is now attending college at the University of Texas. Cullen and Ripken are both multi-sport athletes who are still growing and developing at home under the guidance of Kevin and Lori. 
Kevin, welcome to the podcast. We've been talking about recording this for quite some time now, and I am excited to finally be able to do it. Today, we are going to cover several areas, your baseball career and life, youth baseball, developing organizations and player development, baseball recruiting advice for players and parents. Your experience in all of these is extensive, and there is so much wisdom you can relate to our listeners. This is going to be super fun. Just so our listeners can gain some insight into who Kevin Witt is, I would like to relate a personal story that became the basis for our relationship. Kevin was establishing the Marucci Houston Youth and High School Summer Travel Baseball Programs, and my oldest son's 11U baseball coach was in the process of moving his team to this new Marucci organization. The plan was to move the team in its entirety to Marucci, but each player had to try out. After the tryouts, Kevin reached out to me to let me know that my son did well and we had a choice to make. He could be placed on the 12U A team, but would bat at the end of the lineup and most likely not be a starter, or he could be placed on the B team where he would be a starting middle infielder and hit at the top of the lineup. Option two would give him the opportunity to develop, but he would not be playing with his buddies from the previous team. It was a tough pill to swallow, but the truth was that my son was small for his age, and although he was an excellent baseball player, there were other boys who were more physically mature and deserved to be in the A-team. It was a tough message to hear at the time, but we embraced it, and the experience led to becoming an outstanding high school baseball player, top-level high school summer ball player, and ultimately provided him with a walk-on experience at a mid-major D1 program. Kevin Witt is a man who truly cares about his family and the baseball players that he has responsibility for developing. He has a tremendous track record of success in both his playing career and his achievements in developing baseball players and establishing highly successful baseball organizations. Let's dive in. Kevin, welcome to the Brawny Conversations podcast. So as we sit down for this conversation, what are your thoughts and expectations? Have you ever done a podcast before? I have never done one, uh, so I'm, I, I listen to podcasts a lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited. I appreciate you having me on. It's uh, I know we have talked a long time about doing this, so I'm glad we're we're finally able to to hook up our schedules and make it happen. Absolutely, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great conversation. And uh, you know, I want to start. You've got this long background in baseball, both as a, a professional player, uh, as a person who's developed these organizations, and a, a, a person who's you know developed and promoted players through high school to college and beyond. And you know, let's start this conversation back when you were a high school player. Yeah. Tell us about your high school baseball experience. It was in Florida, but let's dive into it a little bit and, and uh, tell us what it was like for you back then. So I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I went to a high school, Bishop Kenny High School. Um, I was very fortunate to get to go to that school. We had some ties to the head coach. And quite honestly, it's, it's probably um, – you know, one of the reasons of my success up to this point, not only back then when I was playing, but from a coaching perspective, um, I was surrounded by some tremendous coaches. Uh, Bob West was my, he was my head coach. He had, he had been at, at Mississippi State University under Coach Polk for a little bit. I had uh, an infield coach named Tony Sowers, who was at University of Florida. I had Tommy Edwards, who was a, a player at, at University of Florida. And then I had Coach Jimmy Meek, who was a pitching coach at uh, uh, UAB. So, I mean, we're surrounded by all these great coaches and, and really we're just super, super blessed to, um, you know, have not only good coaches, but good mentors in your life. And that's kind of probably – 
we'll get into this a little bit more about, you know, the importance of, you know, when choosing teams or organizations or even, you know, in today's world, you can almost choose a school you want to go to if, if you know, you have the money to, to attend a private school. But choosing the right fit and choosing the right coaches and right men that you want to mentor your kids on and off the field, which I think is extremely important. So I think my whole kind of youth um sports experience not only in just baseball but i think my parents did a great job of of making sure that we were in those right situations to where we were in good hands when you know they dropped us off or um you know my dad was pretty involved in most of the sports that that you know he coached us growing up but you know that's just the way he was he not you know not only you know his basketball he, he was a basketball, baseball player, but regardless of the sport, he wanted to make sure that he was providing the best for us that, that he could find. You know, hearing about the coaches you had in high school, because we, we haven't talked about this in the past. I just knew you from how you created these organizations that, that you know, helped prepare my both of my sons to be high-level baseball players. And now it, I understand where you got that foundation from, right? Being surrounded by those coaches with the credibility that, that had been there um they poured that knowledge and experience into you and that's kind of what gave you the foundation to be successful in your career and then what you've brought to these organizations that i've witnessed no no doubt it's it's uh 100 due to that um you know we kind of have a saying in our family it's you know it takes a village you know with, with you know my wife and i have five kids so you know it definitely takes a village to uh to to, to you know to help on and off the field and, and when it comes to family or team or any situation, but you know, it's, it's, uh, you're only as good as you surround yourself. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. So I, I kind of have that motto whenever I'm, I'm trying to build an organization, you know, I, I don't have all the answers and, you know, I'm not the best out there and I don't know it all. But, you know, I want to surround myself with with guys that I know that that have the right intentions and and ideas and, and, and you know, um, philosophies that I do, because if you have good coaches that, you know, we're all on the same page, it just makes it makes things, you know, go that much better. And I've, I've always made a point to find the right coaches, regardless of the situation and, and put them in the right place to succeed and, and let them go and just coach the team. And I try to manage all the expectations and everything else that goes with it because you you know you really are only as good as the people you surround yourself with i think that you know whether it's in the sports world or you know the business world i'm sure you can attest to that so I, a, a lot of it's just making sure that you know you know you're surrounding yourself with the right people regardless of what situation you're in absolutely that's great counsel. Now, when you were in high school, obviously you were a baseball player. Did you play multiple sports or were you just locked in on baseball? Give us a little bit of that background. No, not at all. I was playing anything pretty much that had a ball or uh, anything we could pick up out in the neighborhood or whatever. But, but you know, from a, uh, a competitive standpoint, I played basketball, a lot of basketball. Uh, obviously baseball, and then I played tennis. So my family was a big tennis family, believe it or not. My two brothers still are to this day. Um, my uh, my oldest brother runs a Wit Tennis Academy in, in, in Jacksonville, Florida. And then my other brother, David, is uh, Jessica Pagula's uh, tennis coach uh, on the Pro Tour currently. And was also with wow. Venus Williams for about 15 years. So, yeah, I grew up a tennis family. <laughs> and then it got it, it got to a point where I think when I was 12 years old, I just decided that, that 
<laughs> time didn't allow us to to do all those and you know it was tough for my parents to get us to all those sports and and you know it was just uh i had to i had to quit one and so i, I kind of threw tennis to the side and kept going with basketball and baseball and and dabbled with basketball up up until high school as well but it was probably my sophomore year of high school to where I really kind of knew um, that, hey, man, I got a chance at this baseball thing. You know, like, you know, it's not as crazy as it is in today's world with, you know, when you're in sixth grade that identify you as a as a top draft pick or whatever. But uh, it's <laughs> it was one of those things where like, hey, yeah, I, like I've got a legitimate chance to go go play college baseball. Not, I wasn't even really thinking about professionally, but like, wow, you know, I get all this interest from these these colleges. This is really cool. OK, I got a I got a chance to do this and then kind of put put, put all my eggs in one basket and focused on on baseball. But it was probably wasn't probably until I was about a sophomore in high school. Okay, and and just to put in perspective for our listeners, that you know you're six foot four. I imagine you were probably six feet tall as a freshman or, or sophomore. You're six foot four now. Uh, you were a, obviously an athlete and played shortstop, which typically is the you know arguably the the best athlete on the field. Um, gets the most opportunities on defense. Um, so, I mean, you know, as you, as you were starting to get that recognition and credit and realized you could play, um, you were a sophomore. How did that evolve as you moved into junior and senior? When did, when did colleges start reaching out to you? Well, they, <clears throat> well, back then the rules were a little different, which they should probably get back to, but that's another conversation another day. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, <laughs> Back then, they could only really send you letters in the mail, which was kind of cool because, you know, a lot of them were, were you know, it, it felt it was more personal, right? And uh, I, I established some good relationships with some of those college coaches because of those letters. I'd get, you know, two and three a week um, from from a couple of them. But um, it was it, it was just different, you know, because there was, there was limitations and, um, you know, but you know, you start getting all that attention from all these different schools. And I think I still have some sitting around here in this office in a, in a box that my mom kept that she happened to bring to me a couple of years back wow. when she was visiting for the holidays. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, just getting that attention and, and, you know, understanding that when you're, when you're getting that attention from these, these big schools that, you know, Hey, there's a good, there's a good chance that I can do this. And, I, and again, I think it goes back to my, my, my high school coaches, all of them came from division one programs. And so they knew the ins and outs and how it works. And, and so starting back then, I was very blessed to have, you know, you know, that tutelage and, and, and experience and, and just how to handle it. And so that's, again, it's, I'm, I'm very blessed to have been in that situation, you know, even when I was in high school. Now, when I'm curious, one of the things we're going to talk about during the course of our conversation today is, is high school summer travel baseball a little bit. And just curious, back in that time, in the years you were in high school, was it, what, 90 to 94? Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so you were in high school in 1990, graduated in 1994. Was there a travel baseball for high school players like we know it today or what what existed then well it's funny because i was just doing a uh uh youth coaching panel last week and a lot of these a lot of these 
probably the same topics will come up uh, today with you. But uh, and it's funny, I actually told the same story that, that you did on the intro about, you know, how I'd sit down and have a tough conversation with you guys about, you know, uh, hey, look, you can play on team A or team B. And I, I use that as an example. And sometimes that goes south and, and you know, it ruins relationships. And sometimes it, it's, it, it betters relationships. And, and here we are, you know, we're friends still to this day and have been ever since. You and bet. so, um, yep. you know, it's just uh, – yeah, there was no perfect games or anything. It was, you know, I, I mean, there wasn't even hardly, believe it or not, I was in Florida, which is where you would think there would be a lot of, you know, in-depth year-round baseball. But, like, I remember there wasn't even really a fall ball because you had so many guys that played football and basketball. Um, there was a little bit of it, um, and it was just kind of like a like a round round robin type thing it wasn't it wasn't real extensive like today in, in you know in today's world but even on the summer front we played american legion baseball and i was the american legion post 283 warriors jacksonville warriors and it was made up of five different schools and you didn't have a choice who you played with if you wanted to play summer baseball you had to go if your high school was was zoned for this this you know, post, you had to play for that post. There was no other options. It was American Legion. Wow. And so that's what I grew up wow. playing. And, and and we had some really, really good high schools that were zoned. You know, we had we had the Bowl School, which is where Chipper Jones came from. Um, they were basically our rival. Um, and then we had we had three public schools that were like in the running for the state championship every year. So it was like, hey, great. You know, we're gonna have a good team every year. And it was it was it was a great experience. Um, you know, it was the same guys almost every year. And I was on the team right away as a freshman, which was which was kind of unusual. Um, but uh, great relationships I made with them. The, the coach as well, Ben Stevens. Um, but it's just it's so different today um as opposed to then um yeah, know, and, I, and i'm sure, like said, industry, I'm sure we'll, I'm right? sure we'll it, get into that a little bit more yeah yeah oh yeah yeah baseball's become an industry well so in high school your senior year bishop kenny uh, you hit 481 and you were also recognized as a, a baseball america's first team all-american and that really you know your senior year really puts you on the radar nationally um and, you know, you obviously were eligible for the draft in 1994, and we'll get into that a little bit. But but talk to us a little bit about the college choices, right? You have the senior year. You're, you're recognized nationally. Um, you made some choices regarding college. Tell us about that process a little bit and, and how you made your decision. Yeah, so it was a uh... – it was a really cool process. Um, you know, obviously back then you had, you know, you were limited on, on the official visits, the unofficial visits. Uh, I had narrowed down my uh, schools to Mississippi State, um, Florida, Florida State, Miami, and LSU. So, you know, even back then, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, those schools were great. They, you know, they were powerhouses back then, and they still are to this day pretty much. But, uh, um, yeah, I narrowed it down to those five schools based on, a, you know, just a lot of different things, a lot of talk. Um, you know, again, having the coaches that can kind of point me in the right direction. Um, a lot of things go into that. As you know, a lot of things go into – 
you know, choosing a university. Um, it's a lot. It, it's a lot. And I'm sure we'll get into that later on in this conversation. But uh, um, we felt that at the time, Florida was was the best option for us. Uh, you know, uh, Gainesville was only, you know, about two hours away, roughly. And so, you know, I, you know, honestly, I really liked LSU a whole lot, but that was a much further drive for my parents. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was going to be tough for them to uh, uh to make it to a lot of those games. And so, um, you know, I chose University of Florida, was completely happy with my decision. And, you know, it allowed me to just kind of really focus on my senior year and and just relax and, you know, hey, that decision's behind me. And now let's just go out and play and and have fun. And uh, if the draft happens, it happens. Um, But, you know, I, I never really did, I don't think, feel like any pressure or anything. Like in today's game, you know, kids are pressured into trying to make decisions in, in eighth and ninth grade. And it's, 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 it's sad and it's ridiculous. And it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, even when you are educated or, or, you know, I've been in the game on the pro side and, you know, I was a player, I was a coach and been doing it on the youth side for, geez, I don't know, 23 years, 25 years, something like that. And, and it just, it's, even when you're educated on it, it's a still a difficult process. And so I feel bad for the parents that just aren't educated on, you know, the process and how it works and what's available and the do's and don'ts. And, and so, you know, I spend a lot of my time, I don't care who it is, just trying to talk to parents and educating them on that process. Cause it's, it's such a, it's such a tough process. And, you know, it, it, it I think the good thing is that myself and my family, we enjoyed it. And it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a stressful thing. You know, it shouldn't be a stressful thing. You know, these these yeah. schools and universities and coaches, they want you for a reason. You know, obviously, they thought I was a pretty good baseball player. Hopefully, they thought that, you know, I, I've, I've come from a good family and I'm a good kid, and they they wanted they wanted me to represent their their university. So, you know, we were, you know. Man, I was I took, I took a lot of pride in that. I was proud of the fact that there was a lot of interest out there and uh, um, just enjoyed the whole thing, man. I know it's 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 tough to say that, but it, it should not be a, a stressful uh, it should not be a stressful thing to go through process to go through. Well, and, and you know, before we move on to the draft, um, I'd like to you know, ask you just a couple questions as we close up your high school career. So do you have a favorite memory? from your high school baseball years? Oh, wow. Um, I would say probably winning our district uh, the one year. Again, like I said, the bowl school was always one of our biggest rivals. And we beat them uh, three to two in a close game, and I closed it out. I wasn't really a pitcher in high school, but every now and then I would come in. Uh, and I came in and closed out the game and, and – I remember that one the most just because it took years for us to get to a point where we could really compete with them, right? And Mm -hmm. we won the game, go running off the field, and, you know, we we dogpiled. And that's everybody's dream as a baseball player, right? It's the dog pile. At one point, hopefully it's it's uh, at, a, at a significant game and not just, you know, your typical Friday game that you're dogpiling. But, you know, it was it was a big it was a big milestone for us as, as a school. And and then just, you know, the the embracing the hugs of, you know, with my head coach and the other coaches and just I mean, everything that went into it and the hard work and I mean, 
I mean, just the years and well, I say years and years. You know, I think I was a I was a sophomore at the time, but man, it was. I mean, I get goosebumps even talking about it right now. Just you know, just you know, all the ups and downs you go through as a baseball player, as as a, as a program. Um, you know, that's that's family. You know, and 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 again, it gets back to you know the, the minute I got you know into high school, you know, I was embraced by those coaches and, and for a lot of, for a lot of good reasons. Yeah. I could play baseball, but I mean, man, some of, some of the lessons I learned from those guys today, coach West and those other guys, that's how I coach today because that's how I was brought up, you know? And, and, and then throughout my pro career, there's other coaches that, that helped me kind of mold me into the, the coach I am, but I mean, it, it, it's almost like a couple of days doesn't go by where I'm out coaching on the field and it doesn't bring back a memory of, of either my dad who was coaching me too in youth sports or coach West. And, and so, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're taught a certain way, I guess, you know, it, uh, uh, you know, just kind of carries on and, and hope that, you know, carried on to, to other generations. Yeah, that is so cool. And it's a theme that's come out in this podcast over the different guests is that desire to give back. You know, you you had the success you had because people chose to invest in you and show you the right way. And it's really cool how you've made that decision to give back and, and you've imprinted that same DNA and experience on others. And uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 it's a lot of to not- pass it forward. Yeah, a lot of times it's not like like look, I, I you know I wasn't a, a successful you know I made it to the big leagues. I wasn't a successful big league player, but you know what I got to do? I got to be on I got to be on teams with a lot of Hall of Fame players and a lot of people that know how to to do it right. And you know I know when to keep my uh, my eye my, what is it my eyes and ears open and my mouth shut and you know just yeah. sit back and, and 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 listen to these guys. You know that was the one good thing about. Well, not one good thing, but a good thing about pro ball is, is, man, there's so much knowledge from those coaches, those old school coaches that, man, like, I just, you know, it just kind of really helped mold me into the, the coach that, you know, I think I am today. And, and I don't have all the answers. I'm not, you know, I, I don't, I don't, hopefully I don't come across as that guy, but all it is is like, look, I'm just taking everything that I learned over the years and try and pass it on to anybody that wants to listen or be a part of my program. And that's it. <laughs> that's so good. I love it. All right. Uh, so now your senior year, you're, you're having fun on the baseball field. You're winning. You're, you know, just having a very successful year. And uh, now you start to realize that the MLB teams are, are watching you and obviously you're eligible for the draft out of high school. Um, what's the experience like once you started to realize these MLB teams were watching you, did they come to the house? I mean, how did that work? Man, I'll tell you what, it was crazy. Um, so all the area scouts, uh, started coming in that, the, the, that fall and they would do the in-home visits. And so they would come in and basically sit down and talk with, with you and your, your parents. And they would back then, well, they still make them do, uh, I forget what kind of test it is, but you know, it's kind of like a personality test, right? What drives you, what doesn't it asks you, you know, 300 of the most bizarre questions, you know, you would ever think of. Um, and then they would just sit down and ask you some stuff, you know, 
you know, and everyone is the same. And, you know, we did this with Tanner um, when Tanner was a senior as well. And it's just kind of funny going from me being the guy on the kid on the couch answering the questions to sitting there and watching your son getting asked those questions <laughs> and going through it. And I think Tanner handled himself way better than I did back in the day. But, you know, it's just <laughs> – it was ex- – Hey, by the was, way, we uh, should – Kevin, we should just do a quick aside to just mention uh, Kevin uh, has multiple sons. I mean, you have four sons, right? And one daughter? Four boys, one girl, yep. Four boys, one girl. Tanner is the, uh, I guess, second in line son. And he is a pitcher at the University of Texas currently and is a a top draft prospect. Um, Was in the past and is again this year. So uh, he's one to watch if you're, if you're, even if you're not a University of Texas fan, which, which I really am not because I'm a Texas Aggie, (laughs) but I've followed the Texas Longhorns because Tanner Witt, Dylan Campbell, uh, and now uh, the Plantier, Sons, boys. Yep, yep. they're uh, both there now. Yep. All those guys. Yep, all those boys. My boys grew up and and played baseball with, and so I'm following them and enjoying watching them. Although it pains me um, uh, to to watch Longhorn baseball. They've got some great guys, and it's a, it's a really great program. So, well, that's awesome. please. Uh, sorry, I wanted to give that but, aside. Just so people know know about Tanner. So we went. We went. You know, the whole fall, and and you know, we're doing the interviews, and basically every. Uh, every club comes in and, and, you know, does this interview. It's part of, you know, someone would just come in, it'd be the area scout or someone would be an area scout and a cross checker or, or depending on, you know, they're, they're just whoever can come would come, right? No, usually no more than two guys. And fast forward to my season. And I remember walking out, we have a locker room out there at our, our, our field, little locker room. And I came walking out to go hit in the cages and there was, there's, there's all these guys standing around and I'm like, what in the world is going on? Like, like, you know, what are we, are, we, are they, are they here to take measurements for something? Are we getting something built? Like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's, what's the mean, you know, and, and they were scouts. And so that whole season, you know, I would have on any given time, like every major league club would be almost represented and they would be standing there just watching me hit in the cage. Every move I did, like it was, you know, because, you know, they, they let you, they leave you alone. They let you do your thing. I think back then they weren't as, you know, they didn't talk to us as much, but I mean, they would watch me take BP. So every time I'm taking BP and, and we, so we had a game field and we had a practice field. Now that's pretty nice. Well, <laughs> now I say, don't everybody say, Oh man, you know, they, you know, they got two practice fields. Well, we built the practice field. So we had a company come in, they, 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 they lined everything off, all that good stuff. We dug up the grass, we dug up rocks. Some of them were huge rocks. So like we were, we built that field and, and us players, wow. and, which is really cool <laughs> because it's, it's, it's one of the coolest practice fields, um, maybe in in the country because it's it's right across the St. John's River and when you're taking BP in the background of the picture is the uh, Jacksonville football stadium so we're that close oh that's neat 
Wow. Yeah. Only down. Cool. Only downside is the wind was always blowing out there, but I used to always try to hit them far enough to where they they would go into the river. So my coaches used to get mad at me, but you know, hey, not my fault. But anyways, <laughs> but that, Kevin, they, they, that, had they be, were, that had to be so weird. So weird though. You're you know 17, 18 years old, and you know this. All these scouts are watching you, which is you're in a fishbowl. Um, and like you said today, the scouts get to know the players a little more personally. I think it would be easier if they got to know you a little more personally, right? They were just sitting there watching you like you were a specimen or a, a sample. Totally. Right? It, it on, on that practice field, you know, we had a hitting turtle there, but I mean, they were close to where if you know they, they could hear they could hear everything I was saying. Um, teammates were saying so. It was a uh, it was kind of awkward at first, but then you just get used to it. And and a lot of those a lot of those scouts um, shoot, they're still doing it today. Um, but you know, there, there's, there's scouts that scouted me that would come and sit on the couch in my house now when we did the interview with Tanner and, and that's how long some of these guys have been in the game doing it. But, you know, it, it, I think it, it, it helped me a lot. Not that it was, uh, because here's how it would work. If, if we were playing a team that night that wasn't very good, you know, and let's say I wasn't going to see any good pitching. They would come, watch me take BP, watch me take ground balls, and then they would leave and go, you know, they got they got to make good use of their time, right? So they would leave and go and watch, yeah. you know, another prospect in the area because that night, you know, they might, you know, might walk four times. Who knows? But, you know, they it wasn't about seeing me in a game. It was just kind of seeing me and how I go about my work and, and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, again, it gets back to my coaches knowing, you know, Knowing how, knowing the process, and 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 put me in the right situation, um, and and you know, just I mean, we had very structured practices. Everything was run. I mean, geez, I would say as close to a college program as as you probably could. And I think the scouts and everything appreciated that. But there was always, you know, <laughs> there was an expression that when I got into pro ball, Jimmy Hoff, who was one of my coaching mentors, um, and he's passed since passed away, but he he used to always say when I first got drafted, like, hey, you never know who's watching. And I'm like, I'm looking around like we're on we're on field 10 on some, you know, at, at the Dunning's Engelbert <laughs> Sports Complex. And I'm like, there ain't nobody around here, Jimmy. And, you know, like, and, but you never know because there's been times where that one person sitting in the stands, he might not look like anybody, but he, he is somebody. But again, you never know who's, who's watching when you're on an athletic field. You never it. know who's watching or who knows who, you know, just like in, you know, yep. in, in the business world, you never know who knows somebody. And, and, and I say that all the time. And I know I get the same look from the kids that I gave my coaches back in the day. So it's just funny how it all kind of, kind of comes full circle, but that, that experience it's so with the, true with the, with the scouts. I mean, it happened on the, on the, on the, with the college coaches. And then, you know, after I signed, they kind of all went away, but, but even when the college coaches were all around, so were the pro scouts. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of people at one time. And so, um, you know, I got used to it. Um, after a while, you just get used to it and you kind of have some fun with it. And some of them will, you know, interact with you more than others and some of them just kind of stand there and kind of look at you and a little intimidating as a 17 year old but you know it is what it is so it's it's again i just I, it wasn't cool a, it was a, it, you know i just tried not i didn't want it to be a stressful a stressful deal you know I, I had already committed to go to college and i was just having fun and having fun with it and so it was it was a great it was a great time for me back then man well so so here we are now it's it's 1994. The draft happens. The Toronto Blue Jays 
take you, they select you in round number one. So first round, pick number 28. How did you, how, how do you, how are you made aware that that happened? <laughs> so I was watching, uh, <clears throat> what was I watching? I was watching maybe the captain when, you know, they're talking about when Jeter got drafted and how, mm-hmm. Like you know, they had one of those big old box computers that the or, that the that the that the MLB team was using, and it's called on his phone. You know, it was it was one of those deals where, okay, nobody, you know, it was the house phone. Nobody get on the, no no phone calls, no nothing, and you're gonna get a call. You know, it wasn't it wasn't aired on TV. It wasn't. Geez, I don't even know if it was uh, on the radio. It's a different world then. It's different <laughs> world, man. You know, and so. Hey, just hey, the draft starts at this time. Um, might want to keep your phone lines open. You know, I don't even know if we had call waiting back then. So, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, you you better stay off. And so I remember a couple times we got a call, and I forget who it was, and we just you know I can't talk, got to stay off the phone. Blah, 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 you know, hang up. And so I remember got a call from from uh, Chris Buckley, our area scout, and he said that the Blue Jays were going to uh, choose me, twenty eighth pick overall, and it was a great. Thank you. Um, hung up the phone and, and, you know, that was that. And, and it was just, it, it's in today's world, it's so different now because, you know, advisors or, or whoever is getting phone calls prior to them even picking you. And it's, it's the game has evolved so much, but yeah, that was the extent of it, man. Keep your phone lines open. Uh, got the call. They told me they were picking. I'm excited. They're excited. Hung up, you know, and it's on to the next pick. <laughs> but that's wow. that's the extent that that's the extent of it. And it was a great day. Um, you know, just did a lot of interviews that day. And uh, man, it was it was a week later, and I was shipped off to to Dunedin down in South Florida, and you know, off we go. Well, so how did how did you make that decision between University of Florida and and you know accepting the the draft offer? What uh, what was involved in that process, and and how did you ultimately choose to go MLB? So we we just you know we sat down, um, my parents and I. We sat down. Now we had kind of been through this before this process a little bit because my brother David was kind of like you know he was a he was a big time tennis player. Um, and he was like the number one junior in the world, maybe at, at his time. Like he was kind of a big deal. Oh, um, but wow. so he, <laughs> he, he still is kind tennis. of a big deal in the teaching world. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need, we don't need to say that. <laughs> no, he is. He is. He's, he's doing really, really well for himself. But um, so, I mean, tennis doesn't have a draft, but he went through all this where, you know, he had sponsors that were, you know, the big thing is sponsors were, were you know throwing money at him and stuff like that so if 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 tennis had a, a draft he would have been equivalent to like a number one overall pick so my dad had already kind of well my parents had already kind of been through this process a little bit but now it's baseball and so you know we sat down and said okay we gotta have a plan and uh we said okay let's if, if we get drafted in the first round um we'll go and if it's second or beyond uh we'll go to college and i kind of just said that like casually like what about this and and like I looked at each other and was like, well, okay. Because back then, you know, first round money was all kind of the same. It's not near what it is today. But if you weren't one of the top, 
you know, three or four picks, you know, everybody was, it was a real trickle down effect. There wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room back then as there, as much as there okay. is now. And so, yep. you know, it was just, but then when you go to the second round, there's, you know, and, and, and every, every situation is a little different, right? There's some, but, but, Today it's completely different, and so we just said, okay, first round we'll go, and if it's anything after that, we'll we'll go to University of Florida. And so I was the last pick in the first round, so we said, all right, let's go. Man, that's a quite an accomplishment to be selected in the first round. That speaks to what what a player you were in high school, but also to the potential um, that that the you know the pro scouts saw in you, which is was pretty awesome. So you uh, you graduated high school. Uh, when did you leave for baseball? How soon after? And where'd you go? And you know, tell us what it was like to be an eighteen year old kid in the professional baseball world straight out of high school. Man, so I I you know. A week later, well, the scout, our area scout comes down and, and you know, because he's now he's got to come in and like, OK, we got to sign you. And so he comes in and that was a pretty easy process. And uh, um, we joke about it to this day that, that <laughs> like I would I told him I would have got I would definitely have gotten more money out of him uh, uh, in today's world than I would have back then. And so, you know, but it, it, those are the relationship type things. Like I, I know Buckley to this day and every now and then he'll call me and and. And uh, and we have conversations and and, and whatnot, but you know it it was it, I, I was thrown into uh, just man it it was so much bigger than I had thought. Not that I was intimidated or anything, but it was like okay, now it's reality. I'm signed. Get your butt down there to Dunedin. I was down in Dunedin. So so basically after the draft, they have what is called extended spring training. So they have regular spring training and then they, you know, they, they, they lock in their rosters for the season, which is all the full season teams. And so back then they had mm-hmm. two teams that were short season teams, which would happen after the draft. Right. And so there's two more teams to be formed. Well, three, there was two short season teams. One was in St. Catharines, which was uh, up in New York. And then there was one, um, in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, and then there was one that was right, right there in, uh, in, in you know what they call the Gulf Coast League, which is right there at the spring training site. So guess which one they mm-hmm. decided to send me to? The one that's Canada. furthest away. <laughs> oh my goodness! So here I am. I I've never even heard of Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada, and so you know I, I remember I think looking at a map, and you know here's Jacksonville, Florida, way down here in the bottom right hand side. And you got to go way up to the northwest part of the map, and that's where uh, uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta, Saskatchewan is. And wow! So I was in I was in down in Dunning for a week. They put me on a roster, fly us out to Montana because we had to open up in I think it was Great Falls, Montana, which is where the Dodgers were an affiliate. <laughs> And we played, I want to say, we were on the road for probably 10 days before we got to go to Medicine Hat, Alberta, which is where our home field was. And, you know, we stayed with the host family. And, and I mean, man, I was just like, wow, like, welcome to Pro Bowl. Like it, you know, you, you know, it's, <laughs> obviously, you know, you know, it's a grind and it's tough and you got to go through that, 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 that process. And, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot, man. It's, it's a, it's a big, 
it's a big grind. It's, it's, you know, but again, it's, it's a decision that we made and, and I was, I was, you know, no regrets and I was super excited, but you're super excited. You get to spring training and like, you see all these people and it's cool. And then it's like, boom, medicine had Alberta, <laughs> you know, and like you're up there and, <laughs> You know, all well, the, the fields. How many? All the fields nowadays are, are much nicer than than what we played on. But but those are the memories. Those are the things you think about. Like Medicine Hat was known for like when we were playing home games at night. Like in about the sixth inning, I, I called them like the largest mosquitoes you've ever seen in your life. But they these bugs would fly around. They wouldn't bite you, but they would just nag at you. And so you're constantly just waving you know, trying to get these bugs out of your face so you can see. And it's it's just little things like that that you, you know, the memories that come back are just, it's great, right? That's, that's you know, there's so many memories that it's just, it's hard to even keep track of them. But, you know, when you're sitting down having conversations wow. like this, it's the, little, it's the little things you remember that are just, you know, it, it's just funny how, oh, how it works. But it, as, as an 18-year-old young man, I mean, what a great experience. What a way to grow up quickly it was right? it was it uh, was and i i, I wish oh. that a lot of times i look back on it and was just like man like like montana what a beautiful you know what a beautiful state it's like like i wish now i would have like you know granted you know I, I stared at a lot of that uh landscape in the buses you know some sometimes in the middle of the night overnight <laughs> or you know early in the morning um but you know just taking advantage of going to so many different cities and countries and, and where baseball has taken me. I wish I would have, I wish I would have taken a little more initiative of, of getting out and learning more about each one of those places, you know, but Hey, I was young, yeah. you know, that old hindsight's, that's the last 20, thing I was hindsight's yeah. 2020. Yeah. 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 But you know, that's, that's one of the things I've done a little <laughs> differently is tried to get out there and enjoy it as, as much as possible. Cause it's, it's, you know, I was very blessed for Kevin, baseball what's that to famous take me. saying? Right, I think there's a Uh-oh. famous saying that that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds about perfect. Oh, I was going to say, you know, what are some of the early lessons you learned from this experience? Right, I mean, the baseball world is they're professional developers of taking young men and turning them into grown men that can play baseball at a high level. So, you know, they, there's, there's a method to the madness, right. Of sending you up there to Alberta. What were some of the early lessons you learned from, you know, that experience that applied to well, your I learned, I learned very quickly, even in that week that I was down there in, in Dunedin, that, that I'm just another fish in a pond. You know, and and I've got to put in the work. And yeah, I might get a little more opportunities than some of these other kids that got drafted later than me. But bottom line is, if I don't I don't put in the work, and I don't get after it, I'm going to get left behind. And you know, there's there's no favoritism or nothing. Um, and and it, it's it was exhausting because not only physically, it's some of the most work hardest work I've ever had to put in, especially early in my career. But you're trying to impress every one of those coaches and your and your teammates out there because you know here I am this first round pick and I want to make I want to prove to everybody that I'm you know that I'm worthy of that first round pick and so you know you're just everything you do you're you're trying to impress and I think that it it's it's and sometimes it's to the point of exhaustion right to where just you know yeah. 80 percent yeah. of the game, 80 percent of the game is, is mental and you know it's just going out there and just trying to uh, you know trying to compete 
trying to impress, um, you know, and just have having all those pressures. I think I did put a lot of pressure on myself of being a first round pick and 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 whatnot. But you know, again, it's it's you know, it gets back to those coaches and and the work ethic that they try to instill in you. And it's it's like, hey, man, you. <laughs> We're paying you, like like you said, they're professional developers, and they really are. Like these guys are experts. And back then, it was all the old school guys, right, that have never had anything handed to them. You know, mm-hmm. like like you know, just the rough and tough guys. And you know, and and so today's approach is a little different. When they, you know, when there's a lot of good things about today's game, and then there's a lot of uh, bad things about it too. Um, but I think. In today's game, they find ways. It's not that they don't work hard, um, but I think there's some time where they might work a little smarter. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a grind. It's it's a it's a big time grind. I think uh, uh, you you have to learn how to how to take care of your body. You have to learn how to you know take care of yourself. Um, in a lot of different aspects, you know, on the field, off the field, there's a lot of growing up. I was on my own, you know, at 18, you know, mm-hmm. sent off to medicine had Alberta. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, it wasn't like they had anybody keeping tabs on us all the time. I mean, I had, I had the freedom to basically do whatever I want. You know, there was no life 360 back then. Yeah. <laughs> like we have, like we yeah. have in, in other avenues to track your kids and, and, and whatnot. But you know, it's, it, there was so much growing up I had to do. And, and, you know, obviously now that I look back on it, there was a lot of things I would have done differently. Um, but it was, you know, again, the game has come so far in, in the stuff that's, you know, available to players and, and just the, the, the technology and the, and the, and all of it. Um, you know, there's things I would have done different and there's things I wouldn't have done different. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, you've led me right into my next question. I want to ask you is that if you could revisit that decision of college versus pro baseball, based on what you know now, would you have done anything differently or would you make the same choice again? Well, you know, looking back on it, I was very happy with our decision. We had a plan and we stuck to it, right, as a family. And I was completely mm-hmm. happy with that decision. You know, I, I still got to the big leagues, I think, when by the time I was – Man, don't quote me on this, but I, I want to say it was 1999. Maybe I was, I don't even know where that puts me age-wise. That's terrible. I should know that. But, uh, um, you know, it, everything is different. You know, there's, it, you know, it's it's a gamble. Who's to say that if I did go to college, I even ended up getting drafted? You know, if I have stayed healthy and all that stuff. Yeah, you're probably um, about 20. Yes. By the way, you're probably, you're probably about 22, 22 or 23 in 99. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so I want to say I made my debut in – it might have been 98, at the end of 98. See, I should know this stuff. Yeah, first reaching the majors in 1998. See, I'm referencing your research. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Yep, Uh, 98, Toronto. Yep. There we go. So, you know, it – you know, I, I would not have, you know, the life I have today. I wouldn't have met my wife, wouldn't have the kids. You know, so you look at stuff like that and they're like, no, nah, man, I wouldn't have changed the thing. But, you know, and, hey, by back the way, on it. By the way, Kevin, I'm just 
I'm just going to interject. Your wife, Lori, is probably the best athlete in the family. <laughs> sure. She's the real reason sure. why all the kids are tremendous athletes, right? Let's just I, I, 100%. She played 100%. softball at, at University of Texas, and, and she is a rock star. And, and vo- she's softball the and volleyball. Kevin's wings. Yeah. Yes, she, yes. I mean, yes. unbelievable athletic family, and, and got to give her all the credit in the world. 100%. 100%. Thank you for mentioning that, Patrick. <laughs> no, it, she really no, is. And, no and, doubt. And, and she has the same competitive desire and, and, you know, everything that I do. So, yeah, we're, we're a very competitive family. And, and you know, all of, all of them, you know, all the kids are athletes and, 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 and everything. And so, yes, they do get a, a, a lot of stuff from my wife. So, um, so yeah, I think that looking back on it from a development standpoint, you know, because when I get got drafted, you know, I was a six four shortstop. There wasn't a lot of those, right? Um, today's yeah. game, there tends there tends to be a little more. Um, you know, I, I I can I can move for you know my size. You know, my thing was oh he's going to get bigger. You know, he's he's going to end up going to the corners first or third, possibly the outfield. And so it was always a running joke. I'm like, okay, please move me off short, you know, because, you know, like I loved when Derek Jeter <laughs> says in the captain, like how he made like so many errors his first year. So did I. It's like, you know, and I had the same thoughts he did. It was like, man, what are you like? What are y'all thinking? Keeping me over here. I mean, like I'm, I, I'm playing kickball out there like it's embarrassing. <laughs> and and but they wanted me to be able to play they wanted me to be able to play shortstop as long as I could so my first 3 years of pro ball I played shortstop and then I moved to third and first uh my double A season and that's when I really took off to be honest with you um that it just the the mm-hmm. the the you know playing shortstop is such a taxing position you know so you know for these guys that do it at the elite levels that they do it's amazing on a day in and day out basis over the course of a long season i don't think people you know understand the 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 tax it puts on your body and, and and mentally and physically to be able to do that and so i was like Oh my gosh, thank you so much. You know, about time y'all, you know, made up your mind. But they had a plan all along. Obviously, I just wasn't really fully aware of it. And, you know, and I was looking forward to, you know, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? So moved to first and third and and stayed at first and third and, and a little bit of the outfield my whole career because I was a left-handed power hitter. You know, hey, he's, he's going to be a left-handed power hitter. And so, you know, had a great year that year. So, you know, if I'd have gone to the University of Florida, I think that that transition from short to third might have been a little quicker. And so by the time I graduated from the University of Florida, I might have already been that, you know, left-handed, you know, third base power hitting prospect that they wanted. But, you know, no regrets. I mean, it was – I think it made me a better fielder playing those first three years in pro ball at shortstop because, hey, what if I go yeah. out there and prove to them that I could do it, you know? But – You know, I saw you develop a tremendous number of first basemen um, at Marucci in your youth and high school. And I want to know if you picked this up in the major leagues, but I remember at one point in time you – having some of the first basemen who are having trouble keep in front of the ball, put catcher's gear on and you proceeded to send fungo at a very high rate of speed at them. Uh, and they learned very quickly how to stay in front of the ball. And, uh, then obviously it, it developed into no catcher's gear and, and they became really good first basemen. Where'd that come from? Did that come from your experience in that, in, in the pros? 
But yeah, I, I don't remember the catcher's gear part, but I completely remember hitting rifle and fungos at them because, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's kind of how I learned, you know, and granted I was, I was a shortstop that now is playing third and first. So, you know, it was the fielding aspect of it was a little easier for me. The hard part was the footwork and everybody's always like, Oh well, yeah, let's just put them over at first. Well, if you don't know how to play first, like there's a lot of footwork involved. And so you could make it, you can, you can make it look really ugly or you can make it look really good. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, so, so I was taught the footwork and it was a lot of time and effort put in. There was a lot of early work. Uh, you know, there was early work, there was late work, but when we're doing all that work, it was doing all the position specific drills that you saw me do over those years with the boys, whether it was middle infield, third baseman or first baseman, you know, there's a whole, you know, progression of drills that we do. And one of those is we usually end with me taking a fungo and hitting them different, you know, giving them different looks, you know, the ball, it's not always going to be, yeah, if the throws online, that's easy. You can catch that, but it's adjusting to the hops and, you know, the spins and, and all that different type of stuff. So it's, you know, and, and having fun, fun with it too, you know, and, and making it a game, you know, to where the boys are competing against each other. And it's like, you know, look, it, sometimes it doesn't have to be pretty, just catch the ball, you know? And, and yes. so a lot, a lot of that was, uh, yeah, I, again, you know, it's a hundred percent. It's, 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 if I am coaching it, if I'm doing a drill with somebody, it's probably because I've done it before or, or watch somebody else do it. Cause even in, in pro ball, I was, or, when I was still playing towards the end of my career or, or as a coach, man, I was paying attention and, and getting ideas on, on drills that, you know, drills that you can do, you know, when it, when it comes time for, for me and running my programs. Let's talk about a little bit, just to give our uh, listeners some perspective. You played in the MLB for five years, 98, 99, you were Toronto, 2001 with San Diego, 2003 with Detroit, 2006 with Tampa Bay. And before that, and in between those years, you were, uh, you know, in various stages of the minors and at the minors at the, at the pinnacle and triple a, I'm sure everybody's heard of the Durham Bulls. Um, one of the you know fam- made famous in a movie, Bull Durham, uh, was actually uh, about that team, the Durham Bulls, and you actually hold a record with the the Durham Bulls, and from uh, 2006, where you hit 36 home runs, which is the franchise record. So, uh, also won the International League MVP that year. So, it's kind of a, a highlight of your professional career. And in the in the U.S. and wanted to ask you at this point, you know, how would you describe the differences between minor league baseball and and actual major league baseball? Um, the two are obviously very intimately related, but there are key differences. How how would you describe those differences? Well, I think there's one word that sums it up, and it's consistency. Um, big leaguers are big leaguers because they can repeat everything they do. Um, you know, it's it's the hardest thing I think was coming up through the minor leagues is just being consistent with everything you do. And, you know, the game is incredibly hard, right? And, it, and, and mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the guys that learn how to, you know, repeat your moves mechanically as a hitter, obviously there's a lot of other things, a lot of other factors that go into it. But I think the common thing that you see is just, 
guys, whatever, whatever your craft is, whether you're a, a, a middle, a slick fielding middle infielder or, or you know, uh, an outfielder with speed or a power hitter, like that's what you do good. And that's what you do good all the time. And, okay. you know, I think that uh, I think the another thing is, is it's not getting to the big leagues. It's hard. It's staying there. And hmm. a lot of people might a lot of people might chuckle at that expression, but that's the expression that, that we would use is I mean, obviously getting to the big leagues is very hard, but it's like once you're there, now staying there is the hard part. You know, because you got guys fighting for your job. If you go out there and you don't perform, it's you know, hey, next guy up, who can help us right now? And so I think that uh um yeah, it's it's the the consistency aspect of it is just it, it, I don't think I don't think people understand like how good big league players are and and how how consistent they are with everything they do. Um I mean, it's it's amazing to see. It's amazing to witness. Um, you know, I, and I really got to appreciate it even more when I was a coach, and you know, talking to some of these guys and 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 just uh, going through it as a player and going through it as a coach were were uh, two you know just completely different things. But it's. I, I, I used to joke around and say that, you know, because I did, like you mentioned, I was in the in the minor leagues. You know, I got to AAA when I was pretty young, you know, maybe even 21, 22, and basically stayed in AAA, you know, throughout the rest of my career. And so I always said, you know, if, if you want to keep your big league team healthy, just sign me and send me to AAA. Because you know, I was, I was always that, I was always that kind of insurance policy. You know, I played part, I played parts of five seasons in the big leagues, but you know, I just never got that that chance, um, you know, to really go in and get some consistent at bats and improve, you know, my worth. Because in AAA, you know, I was in the lineup every day. Um, you know, I think that once after my first year in AAA, I don't think I ever hit any less than maybe 22 or 23 home runs in a season. Um, I hit 36 another year with, with the Memphis Redbirds. I think I, I hold their franchise record with maybe 106 RBIs driven in, but you know, I was always that guy to where I was playing first, third, maybe a little bit of outfield and, and, you know, it just, you know, you're one injury, one phone call away from the big leagues, but it just, it just seemed like, you know, those injuries never came when I was, when that was always just a running joke. And there was a lot, there was a ton of guys like that in their career that were just like me, but you know, Hey, you just got to keep going out there and grinding. You know, it's funny because I never realized this until it came out and like, uh, I don't know if it was baseball America or what, but I think I'm like all, I think I'm number six all time. Uh, minor league home run uh, on the list. I think I'm number wow. six with close <laughs> to maybe. That's a lot of home runs. Yeah, right. It, you know, and so I, I think I want to say it was somewhere, you know, two eighty ish somewhere, but I never, I never realized that. Um, you know, I, and, and a lot of those guys on that list, of, you know, above me, I, I played against when I was coming up, but you know, it was just. It was one of those things where, like, hey, okay, if I'm in AAA, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to perform and, and wait for my chance. If that chance doesn't come, you know, it doesn't come. And and was it frustrating? Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's uh, um, 
you know, I was in the minor leagues and I, I had to earn it. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, big league teams are, are, are out there trying to, you know, trying to win games. And, and if I wasn't a fit for them at that time, if they didn't feel I could help that team win, then, you know, so be it. But, uh, it didn't change how I went about my work ethic when I was in the minor leagues, because again, you never know who's watching. There could be another team, um, you know, that, that, that sees interest and might have a need for you, or it might be a, a you know, uh, a, you know, a team in Japan, like that ended up happening for me there towards the end of my career, but it didn't change, you know, how, how I went about, you know, my business, you know, I had, I had a, I had a family to, to provide for and, and I went out there and, and, and did whatever I can to provide for them and, and just, you know, try to play the game the best of my ability. And you did it really, really well. You did it really, really well. I mean, to make it where you did and to have the success you did, um, it was incredible and a blessing, right? And what an amazing life. And uh, just really, really cool. Um, You know, as you look back, is there a specific minor league story from your early days in pro ball that stands out to you? Oh, wow. There's a lot of them. Um, Man, you know, there's just there's so many of them, but I think it's it's when I got older, just uh, you know, being able to have my uh, my kids out on the field. It's it's unfortunate now because my kids like they're like Preston remembers some of it, but the other ones they didn't get to experience it, you know. And so I I wish that you know the kids were a little older so they could have really experienced me. You know, there'll be times where like you know they'll they'll, they'll come up with you know they'll say somebody's name or whatever. I go, yeah, you met him. And they're like, what? And I go, yeah. I go, you know, you met them and tell them kind of a story about when and where. And they're like, oh, no way. Like, what the heck? You know, but, you know, it's just they're, they're too young to remember stuff, right? And so I, yeah. I wish – And for I, reference, everybody, Preston, Preston is, is Kevin's oldest son. He's a senior at Southwestern University. He's a baseball player there and uh, has had a great, great college career at Southwestern and, and is playing in his final season right now. Yeah, it, it's funny. I think it, it might have been Preston actually, because uh, I think we we're talking about King Griffey Jr. one time, and so I was I was in spring training with the Reds, and Preston used to always kind of walk around with you know one of them big gigantic uh, plastic wiffle ball bats, right? And he used to just smoke balls left and right, and he would just always carry this bat with him. So. In spring training, you know, you always there's a lot of waiting around for families, unfortunately, and so, he's, you know, they'd be kind of hanging out after, outside the clubhouse, and Ken Griffey Jr. would always make a comment like, "Golly, like that boy can swing it," like you know, and he don't be like, "Oh, there's a little whip, there's a little whip," and Preston <laughs> was crazy. just like, and Preston was like, "Oh my gosh, like that's so cool," and I, you know, just little things like that, like you know, I wish, yeah. That, you know, like Kevin Cash is, uh, you know, he, who's the manager of the Rays right now. He's a really good friend of ours. Uh, we played together in uh, in Durham, and and we basically stayed in apartments right next to each other. We were roommates on the road, and and you know, he he taught Preston how to swim. And it's the running joke that Preston might not be a fan of the water these days because Kevin Kevin used to walk out to the pool at the at the apartments and just throw him in the water and be like, swim to the side. <laughs> and so you know, it was just it, it's the little things like that that you know I, I just wish the kids could have been a little bit older to get to experience that but you know that there's there's no regrets whatsoever of 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 anything and and you know it's just it, the times where i had my family with me were were the most enjoyable and you know just wish that they could experience even some more of that that that, that i got to 
Oh yeah, that's that is awesome. That is so cool. Uh, all right, so this is for the question for the aspiring baseball players out there that would you know love to get to the highest levels, and you, know, you advance through the minor leagues very consistently from rookie ball to Triple A. Each year you move to the next level, and these are between ninety four and ninety eight. Very very consistent progress. You never got stuck. What was the key to your consistent promotion? from rookie to triple a and that those that very short time span well i think you know back then it was it was a little different than in today's game because back then it was very rare for you to get pulled from you know get promoted now you can get demoted but getting promoted uh mid-season or as fast as they do it in today's game is 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 very rare you like they wanted you to play a whole season for the most part, to get that success, right? I think okay. for me, yep. it was, you know, my goal was always just to make sure I, I advance one level, you know, just one level. And again, back then, that was that was pretty normal, um, especially for a young position player. That was pretty normal. Now, if you're a pitcher, things are a little bit different. You could make a jump, but I think when you know when I when I moved to first and third, you know, I could always hit. Right. My thing was I could always hit mm-hmm. power's going to come, you know, he's going to get stronger, that type of stuff. But when I moved to first and third, well, my defense was I, now I was an above average first baseman and third baseman, whereas at shortstop, you know, like I told you, I was I was playing kickball. Like I was, I was like, please get me off of this position, and and but it it made me a better fielder. And then once I moved, yeah, and speaking first of that, third, by the way. I imagine just a little aside here, but I imagine you know in high school, you know you're you know you're fielding ground balls that are going, you know, eighty five, ninety miles an hour, maybe occasionally a hundred. But pro ball, I imagine those balls were coming ninety to a hundred and ten. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, and everybody's fast down the line, and so a lot of times, like I could ca- I could catch it, but my throwing was very erratic because I had a different arm slot than what I needed to have. Well, you know, little did I know. Um, but you know, it's just, okay. that was the, that was the thing for me was the throwing aspect of it, you know, taking routine ground okay, balls. Just the clock. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that internal clock and, quick. and yeah, I mean, there's it, it, the game does, that's a good point. The game speeds up, um, you know, from mm-hmm. high school to college to pro and it's, it's, it's a big, it's a big speed up. Um, you know, but, uh, I think for me, um, you know, I had a goal every year just to go up another, another, you know, another level. And then, you know, I had some, yeah. I had some goals from a, from a number standpoint um, that I wanted to do and, you know, kind of, you know, pretty much hit those, uh, you know, once I got a little older, um, you know, again, uh, you know, at, at early in my career, I kind of struck out a lot when I was younger um, and, you know, Hey, you strike out too much, which in today's game, you know, that probably wouldn't be an issue, but back then it was strike out too much. And so I cut down on my strikeouts, yeah. but you know, it, it's some, some days I struck out or, or some, some years I struck out more than others, but you know, those numbers going to offset each other, you know, but the bottom line is, yeah. I, w- I wanted to drive in runs and I wanted to hit home runs. And, you know, mm-hmm. some of the years I, I had, I had good batting averages and some of the years I didn't have good batting averages, but I still hit home runs and, and drove in runs. That was my thing. You know, I was going to drive in runs. And so, 
Well, Kevin, yeah. I would say, being a, I am a baseball fan, and I would say this. If your career was now, you would be a star in the major leagues. Right? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a little different, it's a little different world today than it was in the 90s. Uh, from well, in, in, today, in, um, in today's game, the focus is so much on quality of contact, right? How, how, how yep. often are yep. you impacting the baseball, and, and, and how hard are you impacting that baseball? And, and when I did hit the ball, you know, I hit it with, you know, a little something behind it. And so, yeah, it's, it's yeah you're ripping like, the cover and, off it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and let's be honest, I, I wouldn't have made it to the big leagues if I couldn't hit, um, you know, yep. it's always kind of like, well, if you can hit, they'll find a position for you. And so, uh, but you can't just be, you know, horrible. Um, yeah, and the, and it's, it's funny because in the in the the nineties, you know, MLB players were, you know, batting average was important, um, and it was important in fact where kind of like if you were if you weren't hitting three hundred, you really weren't very good, right? At the major league level, right. it, was, it was something that was really up there. And if you were below two fifty, that was a problem. In today's world, yeah, I mean, if you're hitting two fifty in the MLB, you're a superstar. Yeah, it, it's just changed so much because the value. Well, and they, yeah, and they, they factor in so many other things now that, like, I know when I was with the Marlins, like, we didn't even evaluate players off their batting average. It was a number that was, you know, accumulated over a whole bunch of different variables, which, you know, partly mm-hmm. I agree with because, you know, are you, are you having quality at bats? Are you, are you, you know, are you, is your quality of contact high? Um or you know, are you unlucky? You know, are you hitting are you hitting the ball hard and just yeah. not having anything to show for it? And so there's a lot of factors. Yeah, because the player you know, would have bat, been much higher average. today, right? It would have been much higher today. Totally, totally. At least, you know, at least it sounds so, good. At least, at least we can tell myself that now. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I believe it. So, uh, all right. So, hey, just about every little boy who's playing baseball is and envisioned what it would be like to be called up to the major leagues and you know walk into that stadium for the first time you made your mlb debut in 1998 with toronto do you remember what that experience was like and could you share it with us absolutely well it's funny because i actually got sent home after my season um you know we knew there was a chance that i could get called up um but we were still in the running for the playoffs that year and i remember i got sent home came home um and i forget how somebody told me or like my dad came in and told me like hey so-and-so is trying to get a hold of you um again i I don't even know if i had a cell phone back then but they were like hey and, and granted i had been home for maybe a day or two and they called and said hey you need to get to cleveland uh, you're getting called up. And I'm like, uh, and, and, and I got called up with, with Roy Halliday at the same, you know, he and I kind of came up together, but he got called up as well. And he was driving, he was driving home to Colorado. And luckily he was not too far from Cleveland. So just turned his car around and went there. Well, I, I had, I had flown home because I shipped my car home. And so I just got on a plane and went to Cleveland. I remember I got to Cleveland. Um, it was raining out, so we didn't get to take BP on the field or nothing. Um, I barely got to hit in the I – mean, I got there late, right? And so <laughs> roll in, getting situated, you know. Uh, I remember we, we'd go out for – like I didn't, even, I didn't even step foot out of the dugout. Like that's, that's like – 
you know, because I wasn't in the starting lineup, obviously. Um, and yep. so the game, the game starts, the game's on the line, <clears throat> and I remember, you know, you start to get an idea when you might pinch hit, right? And so uh, late in the game, I forget who I pinch hit for, but uh, I come in the game with a runner on first, and we were down by one. And I want to say it was the ninth inning. And I, w- I was facing uh, – man, I'm going to butcher his first name, but I want to say his last name was Beck. Big, grizzly-looking dude. Had a, had a good changeup, right? And I knew he had a good changeup. So go up there to hit, get my at-bat. And I just remember uh, – I'll never forget this. Is The first pitch he threw me was a changeup. And I remember – all I remember thinking was – these lights are amazing because I could see every <laughs> stitch on that ball almost like, like that's all I remember was like, it's, it's like daytime out here. This is fantastic. Like these lights are so bright, you know, just little things like that that come <laughs> in your mind. And so go through yeah. the bat, had a real, had a really good at bat with them and, and ended up flying out to dead center field. Kenny Lofton jumped up and, and caught a ball at the wall. And I don't, I don't think wow. that it would have I don't think it would have gone out, but I think it might have hit the top of the fence. That would have given us a, a, a one-run lead. But, uh, but I mean, that was the first time. Like, I didn't get to step on the field that day, and so. Um, wow. But, but, but it was such a cool experience, and and, and you know, for for an, you know to having it bat in that situation where the team is still, you know, has a chance to to make the playoffs. And back then, Cleveland was was unbelievable. You know that they were like, you know, but it, it was just a cool experience because, you know, a lot of the guys on the team, the Sean Greens and Alex Gonzalez's and those guys, they were, I, I knew them. And so they were all very, you know, supportive and, and, you know, give me the scouting report on the guy that, you know, going in and just so, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience and it'd have been much cooler if Kenny wouldn't caught the ball or gone over the fence, but, you know, it's still nonetheless was, was, <laughs> was a tremendous experience and and again it's the little things that come back to you like oh my gosh these lights are amazing because <laughs> yeah. back then in the minor leagues you know lighting was terrible right unless you got to the big leagues yeah um but now you oh, know yeah. now every every high school field pretty much has beautiful lights but uh yeah that was my that's uh, cool what that, a was, great... that was my first at bat yeah that is awesome all right so you you, you had your your time in the show what were the best parts of being in the MLB? I think just being around, you know, every organization that I was with, whether in spring training or, you know, because every year, you know, I was always kind of, again, that insurance policy. Um, but you go to big league spring training and, and all the greats from those organizations are around. You know, the Lou Brocks, the Bob Gibsons, the Al Kalines, um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on of, of all the people that come to spring training. And I think just sitting around in, in you know, clubhouses and talking to the, just being able to not even, sometimes it's just sitting there and listening and they're talking and just being around all those guys, being around all the players, you know, the Tony Gwynn's, the, you know, the Ricky Henderson's, the, the, you know, just being around all these different guys, um, and just seeing how they go about their business day in and day out and, you know, be professional and, and just how they handle themselves in every situation. And I think that was the cool part. Those were, those were some of the, I guess, the locker room conversations you say you can have, you know, after your game, sitting around and, and talking about the game. That's where, you know, I learned the most as a player 
is after the game, sitting around and just talking with the guys about the game. And sometimes it's yeah. that veteran player. It's that veteran player, you know, just kind of sitting there and, and, hey, this is what you need to look for in that situation. Or, this is why this won't happen there or, or you know, just whatever. And, and <laughs> you know, just, you know, just, just, just revisiting the whole game and, and kind of going through it and, oh. and things that could have been different. And I remember how K-Line used to always be in our clubhouse all the time. And I got to have conversations with Al Kaline, right? Like, yeah. just uh, Willie Willie Horton, he was there too. You know, another Tiger great. You know, and Alan, you know, dude, Alan Trammell, you know, was our manager. Kirk Gibson. I used to think Kirk Gibson was the just, you know, back in the day, you see his highlights and his hairs flop around. You're like, this guy's crazy. Like, this guy's nuts. And then he was my coach when I was with the Tigers. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts about baseball. I mean, he yeah. was he was intense. And funny funny story is I got to tell the story because it's just it's just funny. But you got to understand, Kirk Gibson is when I was with the Tigers, I was I was only playing against right-handed pitchers, right? I'd play first or I'd play left field, and I was platooning with another guy who was a right-handed hitter, which is completely understandable, right? And yep. Gibby wanted me to play more against lefties. He wanted me to get an opportunity, so uh, he kept you know he was you know he, he was in my corner obviously and he was he was pushing maybe it was you know he was a lefty I was a lefty type thing but you know he was in Tram's ear all the time about you know get me more playing time so when we were at home after we took BP and I wasn't playing we'd go in the tunnel and he would throw me BP left-handed and then it would it kind of developed into okay we're going to do it bats so I'm like all right let's do it so <laughs> I'll never forget we're in there and, and, and again it's about just you know, just different situations, you know, and then we'd, we'd go through these at bats and he would explain situations with, you know, you know, whether it's a starter or a reliever or a closer or, or you know, whatever type of left hand, but Gibby would get to where it'd be 0 and 2 and he hit me in the head. I want to say at least five different times uh, because it'd be 0 2 <laughs> and he, he'd hit me. And again, you know, he's not throwing from very far back and he's not throwing very hard, but still, I remember he hit me the one time and he just kind of looked at me like, get the hell off my plate. You know, it's 0-2. Like, don't be hanging out over the plate. <laughs> and then the second time he did it, I remember Gibby or, or, or Trammell was standing right behind the net just kind of watching. And he hit me in the, he hit me in the head again, like kind of glanced off my head, right? But it was 0-2, yeah. and he was he was big on, on, on two-strike approach. He called it full emergency, and he would start screaming it from the dugout, you know, whenever you had an 0-2 count. And so we're in there, and I remember he hit me, and both Gibby and I are like, we're dying laughing. And Trammell's kind of looking at me and him like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, like at least put on a helmet. Like, I didn't have, I didn't put a yeah. helmet on, right? Last, last thing I thought oh, of, I'd, be get, I'd, I'd get hit in the head here. So, you know, Tram made me wear a helmet for now on whenever I was going to do that. But it's just, you know, Gibby was just, I mean, that's an intense dude. He's a competitor. He's a fighter man and just super passionate about baseball and so i learned a lot about him um as well but you know until you know there's a lot of guys like that throughout the course of your career that like man i can't stand playing against this guy like he's so annoying like everything he does it's just it's it's that guy right and then you play on the same team as him and you're like man this guy's a gamer like i love having him on <laughs> Uh, well, Kevin, you, 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 I mean, one of the great aspects of baseball is it's, 
over a hundred years old and the legacy and the history is tremendous. And you actually in your career touched the history of baseball. You experienced it up close and personal. I mean, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think appreciating that history is, is huge. You know, the guys before mm-hmm. me that paved the way, um, you know, that allow me the, 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 you know, just the, you know, the fruits of that labor, you know, just, just getting, yeah. being able to get to the big leagues and all the little things that basically they fought for and provided for, for us, that generation. And, and, and handing that down, the, the you know the players union for MLB is is tremendous. It always has been. It always has a great reputation because we do a really good job of staying united and fighting for what we want, and 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 you know most of the time getting what we want. And so, you know, there's a lot of really really good smart guys behind that. They do a really good job of keeping everybody informed on on decisions and what's happening and what's transpiring. And and again, it's about you know sticking together, you know, as, as a players union, and and you know. Um, you know, we provide a, a, a very good product on the field and, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I was very, very blessed to play not only in the, you know, yeah, I was able to play in the big leagues, but man, in the minor leagues, there were some tremendous places, you know, Durham Bulls couldn't ask for a better, you know, place to play. I mean, that place was just absolutely amazing. Everybody from, from you know, the ownership to the GMs to the ground crew guys to the, the, the ladies working in the, in, the, in, the, in the pro shop. I mean, everybody there, it was such a tremendous experience. Um, you know, there's a lot of memories like that where you play in these little, you know, minor league cities and, and, and you know, with these organizations. And, and, and a lot of times these, these small town cities, it's, it's man, they, that's all they look forward to. You know, is 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 baseball season because it's such a big ordeal and it provides a lot of jobs yeah. for a lot of people in the area and stuff like that. And, and it's a community thing. And so just being able to experience, you know, like I said, that type of thing, no matter what city or country it takes me to, is 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 just been a blessing. Well, and speaking of countries, now later in your career, you played a couple of years in Japan. You played for the Yokohama. Bay Sharks, as well as the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles. And very curious um, about what living in Japan and playing baseball there, how it differs from U.S. And and more specifically, there there's a, a movie called Mr. Baseball that starred Tom Selleck. And I'm really curious if that's a realistic depiction of baseball in Japan. Uh, please provide us some insights. Let us know what that was like. Absolutely. Uh, it was the Yokohama Bay Stars, um, not the Sharks. So I don't want any of my Japanese. Ah, Bay Stars. Uh, Got it. Fr- yeah, friends out there to, uh, you know, be, be thrown in the shade <laughs> to us. But uh, two absolutely wonderful experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, it didn't work out for me. Uh, both times I kind of hurt my knee in spring training when I was with Yokohama, my first go at it. Um, and then the next time it was fighting time, you know, fighting for time, you know, for another veteran guy who actually ended up, I think maybe winning the home run title that year. Um, so each, each situation was tough. Um, you know, I was able to go over there and, and, provide for my family that, you know, you know, Japan always typically pays well, but, you know, I went over there and made the best of it. You know, it it wasn't working out for me. I wasn't getting the best opportunities on the baseball field, but I had an absolute blast going over there and, and spending time, you know, just imagine, 
you know, you think going from from Jacksonville, Florida to to, to Saskatchewan is a tough adjustment. Here I am getting sent to Japan, and I, I had an I had an interpreter, um, you know, when we were around for the most part. But then once I hurt my knee and I got sent down to kind of their farm team to kind of rehab my knee and everything, I didn't have an interpreter. And so I had, uh, there was a young kid, um, Tanaka, who his only English he knew was because he was a DJ. And so he knew English from uh, uh, American music. And so that's how we communicated and ended up being really good friends with him. And, and, you know, just, you know, just the Japanese culture, I tell people all the time, I don't, if you like to travel or don't like to travel or whatever, you're looking for a place to go, go to Japan. It will be the most wonderful experience you've ever done. It's the culture over there is so different. Um, everything is so clean. Um, the people are different. They're so helpful. Um, it was just, it was an incredible, incredible experience. You know, I had my wife and kids over there with me for the most part. Um, you know, just, just a safe environment and, and, you know, everybody, everybody. So no matter whether you work at McDonald's, you're a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, everybody there takes so much pride in, in what they do. And at that time, whatever job they're doing, they feel like that's the best thing in the world. And it's just, it's, it's, it's an amazing culture to, to witness. And I had an absolute blast doing it. And, you know, just, and again, looking back on it, it, those were times where I would just go out and walk around and just experience things. And it's great, great place to people watch, by the way. Um, I mean, just <laughs> tremendous. I have not Everybody been, but, there, I, but I, oh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's fantastic on so many different levels. And I, and, and Disney world over in uh, Tokyo is, is a bucket list item because, you know, you have a lot of people that, uh, I guess anime is pretty popular over there. So you have a lot of people that like to dress mm-hmm. up as characters and I'm not talking about like kids, but grown, grown ups. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great people watching experience but a lot of other uh tremendous things about japan that i mean just just an amazing culture and and definitely if you're a traveler you need to put that on your list yeah it it is on my list i'd love to go and i'd love to see a baseball game there and i'm also an avid uh snow skier and uh they call japan japao um yeah it's 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 a really a big island and and there's a an area where they're they get just about the most powder of anywhere in the world and uh it's pretty amazing pretty amazing powder skiing so that's on my so so definitely so to answer to answer the second part of your question uh, Mr. Baseball, the movie with Tom Selleck. I saw the movie before, obviously, I went to Japan. It is the most accurate depiction of any sports movie probably ever made. Really? Uh, really? It well, that's is, good to know because I actually like that. I'm a Tom Selleck fan. It is so that's spot awesome. on. Like when I remember when I first uh, like the part where they he and the, he and the, I forget who the big dude is the American they come uh, they come out of the dugout and right in front of the dugout they're like doing calisthenics and they're all hollering and doing a hundred percent right on like the way just the way you do stuff like it doesn't matter like how hard it's raining there's guys out there practicing like uh, you know like just the you know just everything you see in that movie is so accurate and you know from the from the pressures on ownership to the coaches the win and and you know just kind of how uptight everybody is in the dugout like 
you know, it's, 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 but it's, it's the way the culture is, but I mean, man, that, that movie could not be any more accurate. Um, the other one that's, that's pretty funny when it comes to Japan is I, I think it's the movie with, with Bill Murray. It was, was it lost in translation where he was in Japan? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. When I it comes right. to like, there used to be a running joke to where like you could, you could lay in your bed, like not everything in Japan is very big. Right. And so, the running joke was is you can you can lay in your bed, you could you could answer the door, change the TV without a remote, flush the toilet, and like you can do everything just by without even having to leave your bed. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but that's funny. That's that's true if you're six four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe not the case for everybody, but there was a scene in that movie where the shower head is like now, granted, I'm six four, but for anybody, the shower like the it, like would be right above my belly button, and I'm like, how is this supposed to work, right? And it's not like you got a lot of room to move <laughs> around there. So it's just it's the yeah. I remember watching that movie, and I just started dying laughing because you know it's it's you know again it, it's the little things you look back at and you laugh and the, and the memories and experiences and you know my kids everything over there is like a, one giant video game you know you walk down the streets and everything's animated and everything looks like an arcade and and you know my kids had a blast and and you know i didn't have you know everything's very safe there i didn't have to worry about Lori and the kids hopping on the train and coming to see me and and uh you know because you take you know a lot of it you're taking trains from here to there and and just uh i had an absolute blast man nothing but good good things to say about japan now now the the style of play is very different it's not very aggressive they didn't believe in breaking up double plays um which nowadays that's kind of gone for us but like literally like just just peeling off not even going in and sliding um, you know, just, just, to, you know, like, like one thing I couldn't get used to is, you know, you got the first inning leadoff guy gets a base hit and the number two hole guy is squaring around before the pitcher even comes set because he's going to drop a bunt down. And it's like, it's the first inning, like uh leadoff guy got on and we're already like bunting got, you know, just a very, very different, yeah. uh, style different approach. play. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and Interesting. you know, it just, yeah, you know, and and that was that was frustrating at times, but it is what it is, you know. But it, uh, you know, I would go a couple weeks without seeing a fastball in the strike zone over there, which was frustrating. Um, you know, it's just it's it's a different brand of baseball, but you know, again, it gets back to the culture, like the mindset of of the Japanese baseball player was like, like they, it's almost like they didn't see talent. I mean, I'm sure they did, but it's like, okay, if you spend four hours working today and I spend six, I'm going to get better than you. And if that keeps happening that way, eventually I'm going to get better than you, right? Regardless of what the talent level was, but their, their mindset, right? I mean, there was times where these, these younger kids in, in the minor leagues over there, I mean, their hands were bleeding. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's more of an old school, um, you know, like, like very, uh, but again, it gets, I think it gets back to their roots and their, their history and their culture of, of like, this is your job. This is what you're doing. Um, you know, and, and I mean, it, it was work, man. They had those kids doing some crazy stuff, but it was, it was wow. part of their style of, of developing. Yeah. Right. And a lot of it was based on. Yeah. What, what, yeah and what a, what a, I mean, a great, amazing experience for you and your family to be able to experience that other culture and the game in a completely different way. 
Um, you know, same yeah. game, but yeah. different styles of play, almost making it a little bit different game. Totally. So it's totally. neat. So, so Kevin, now you've had this, you know, you're reaching towards the end of your career and I'm, I'm curious as to how you came to the decision to end, uh, being a professional baseball player. And, and, and then what did you choose to do next? So when I was, uh, I came back. So the second time I was in Japan, I, I, I think in 07, uh, I kind of had some back issues and, you know, I was very blessed throughout my whole career to not really have any issues. I take a lot of pride in almost not ever being on the DL, um, you know, actually being put on the DL. Um, you know, I had a little, mm-hmm. you know, day off here and there, but I was, I was never, ever hurt, never had any major injuries, nothing like that. Um, but then again, you know, I was fighting for time. So there were signs like, you know, I got my chance, you know, I had to take advantage of it and then stay in the lineup and, and, you know, because it's, it's a business, you know, and I had to go out there and provide for my family. And so, however, I need to stay healthy. I had to stay healthy or grind through it. And so, um, I came back that second time in Japan and, and I remember going to see a doctor and they were like, look, you can either have surgery or you can kind of rehab through it. And I said, okay, I'm just going to rehab through it. I don't need to be having back surgery now, you know? And, and I kind of already thought about, you know, getting out. Um, you know, I kind of had one foot out kind of like, Hey, this is, you know, this is a reality, you know, especially when you have an injury, like, you know, what's next. And so, I actually started rehabbing my back, um, pinpointed the issue. I got in some of the best shape I had ever been in my life. Um, I hooked up with a guy named Jason Crawford, who I was working with, got me in great shape, got my back, you know, where it needed to be. Um, I could run better than probably I ever could because I worked on my form. Um, and so I was in great shape, go into camp with Seattle. Um, and obviously got sent down to, uh, uh, to AAA and they had a lot of prospects at the time. And so I remember I got released the last day of spring training and, um, you know, I kind of, you know, called Lori and just, you know, kind of said, you know, I think this is, you know, I think I'm ready. And, you know, she was a hundred percent behind whatever I wanted to do. I hadn't completely made up that my mind. You know, so I got in the car and, and drove from San Diego, or not San Diego, uh, Arizona, um, to Houston and just was thinking about a lot of stuff. And, and I remember I got probably three or four phone calls from independent teams because, you know, back then it was, you know, independent teams, you know, would pick up anybody that was, you know, released out of spring training. And then the idea is, you, you know, you stay in baseball shape and hopefully get picked up by an organization. And, uh, I, I didn't even answer the calls. Um, I just didn't want to, I wasn't sure if I was ready because I wasn't in the right mindset. And so, uh, I get home and just kind of thinking about stuff and, uh, just decide, you know, my kids were older. Um, do I think I could have still played? Yes. Um, my only regret was that year was the year that they were, they were taking minor league players for team USA. And, you know, I think that I think that I kind of fit the mold for that because I was an older guy that had big league time, but I was still a minor leaguer and I qualified and I, you know, I had some buddies that were on that team. Um, so that's my only yeah. regret now, whether or not, whether or not I would have made the team or not, I don't know. But, but at the time I was a, a strong candidate, um, given my, my, uh, experience. 
and just how they were shaping up that team and with veteran guys and some young guys. Um, so that was my only regret there. Um, but, you know, I, I still think that I would have been play. really cool. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that that would have been tremendous. But, you know, it, it, it just for whatever reason, it was just it was time. And, and you know, I think I yeah. might have been able to play Understandable. a couple more years or, or who knows, I might have gone and played and hurt my back within a month. Um, but I think just, uh, it was time. My body, my body was, was kind of giving me that idea. And, 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 you know, it was, you know, I, I wanted to be home with my, 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 my family. Um, you know, the kids were getting, like I said, the kids were getting older. And so, um, that's a tough, that's, you know, it's a tough time for every athlete is, is what's next. What's that transition. And I had no idea, Yeah. <laughs> but I just kind of knew that I was ready to, 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 to move on and, and not not be on the road so much and okay. and at the time yep. that makes total and sense the, and at the time you know i had a lot of guys especially when i was with the rays that you know jimmy hoff you know one of my coaching mentors you know he's like hey when, when you're done playing i want you to come i want you to come coach for me and uh, you know I, I and towards the end of my career i love i love talking to the younger younger kids and and you know i was with some teams that had a lot of prospects and you know that was kind of my role is is to kind of help you know can you know help those younger prospects out the best way you can and but it, it was yeah. it, it kind of came natural to me because that's what the guys before me did for me right and so it only comes natural it just yep. it came natural just that you know that's what you're supposed to do you know pass it on to the next generation so um I would have loved to have gotten into coaching right away, but again, I, I was not ready to stay on the road and be gone that much. I needed I needed to step back and and just kind of take a break from all that, you know. And and mm-hmm. and so that was, uh, yeah. So I, uh, 08, uh, last day of spring training in 08 with Seattle Mariners was my last day uh, on a on a field as a player. Wow. Well, you know, it was a, a amazing career with some real highs that I know, you know, many people who many players who played professionally would have loved to have been able to accomplish what you did in, in the time you did. Right. There's others who accomplished more. And there's many, many more who accomplished less. Um, so, you know, hats off to you to for the career you had and the stories. And thank you for sharing them with us today. And Absolutely. Uh, just just an amazing career. And that, that gave you all the experience and knowledge that you've been able to take into this next phase uh, of your career as a professional. And I'd like to start diving into that now. And, and really, we're talking about your involvement in youth baseball, developing organizations and your approach to player development, uh, because you've really that's kind of the second half of your career, what it's all about. And uh, it's it's you know, it's relevant. Your, your professional career is relevant because without all that experience and the people you're exposed to and the, the great coaches and mentors you had, you would not be the coach and developer of players that you are today. And quite frankly, I mean, you're you're not only developing baseball players, but you're developing men and uh, it. You know, it's it's super exciting to see. So I'd like to get into that a little bit. And first off, let's talk about um, you know you're you're developing youth organizations. You developed a couple from the ground up, right? Marucci Baseball. You opened that in Houston, and now you're with Spring Spirit, uh, and and doing amazing things with that program from a baseball perspective. So you know, you've been doing this for over ten years now. So so how did you become interested in this field, and and how did you get started? 
Well, I think it was just, you know, again, towards the end of my career as a player, um, I knew that I wanted to coach. Uh, how to get involved? You know, obviously, I was when I was home. I was involved with my co- with my with my boys' teens, but I wasn't able to be there year round. And so, you know, I, my passion for baseball and teaching the game and helping kids was 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 always there. It's just okay. Where is that going to lead me? Right? You know, what plan does God have in store for me? And so, you know, it it takes a lot of time and 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 just. You know, I was doing little things here and there, helping my father-in-law out with with Houston Kyle Chapman program and and giving some lessons. Um, but nothing really was, uh, you know. And I was a big part of of my boys' uh, select teams at the time that 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 you know technically I wasn't in charge of. But uh, I think uh, so. A, a buddy of mine, Joe Lawrence, who I came up with in the Toronto Blue Jay system, he founded, he co-founded Marucci. Uh, Marucci Sports. At the time, they were just the Marucci back company. And he knew that, that you know, I was in Houston and, and my kids were heavily involved in, in the youth baseball platform. And so he called me and he, he said, um, I got a question for you. He said, have you, you ever heard of Baseball USA? And I was like, yeah, I spend basically all my weekends there. Um, and it's, you know, 12 minutes down the street. <laughs> and he said, okay, that's a good, that's a good first answer. And he said, um, well, he goes, I'm part of a group that's looking to take it over. And then, and you're the guy that we want to, to help run it. And so one thing led to the next and, you know, it, it, it was a process of, of, you know, taking it over. But yeah, I, I started, uh, I was the first guy they brought on and kind of director of player development and um, baseball operations. And so, you know, that's where uh, you and I met and, and, you know, was able to meet your family and, 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 uh, uh, you know, started the whole Marucci Bulls program, which is now, I don't even know what they call it, Marucci, Marucci Elite Texas, maybe. That concludes part one with Kevin Witt on his professional baseball playing career. Part two will focus in on Kevin's development of youth baseball organizations and player development. You have been listening to the Brawny Conversations podcast. Thank you for choosing to spend time with us today. And please subscribe to the podcast to receive our latest episodes and give us a follow on social media. New episodes are now in production and we can't wait to share them with you. Pursue your passions and help others along the way. Have a great day and thank you for listening.